0: So branding was really at the very start of trade, really. Uh, So you had, that signifies where it comes from, and this signifies what it means, and the salesperson in them, in the trader, would tell the story. A, A brand is about reputation. A brand is about what people say about you. It's not about what the company thinks it's telling you. It's actually if other people around you say, that brand is good, try it. In a way, I've, I've had, you know, it's been a rollercoaster. Some things I've chosen to do have been successful, some have been failure, but you learn from the failures as well. To find your true Ikigai, you've got to kind of, you know, what are you good at? So imagine a Venn diagram, that's the Venn in the middle. What are you good at? You know, what do you love? Uh, what's the world need? And what can you be rewarded for? If you get all those in harmony, that's your Ikigai in the middle. And that should be your personal brand purpose. Jeff Bezos, who knows a few things about branding. (laughs) He's the one who said, you know, a, a brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. And of course, what he's saying is it's true. Brand is about reputation. It's not about what you tell them. It's about what they say about you.
1: I believe everyone has a story to tell through seeking true, authentic insights about the entrepreneurial journey I provide a platform for our peers to share their stories and inspire those that listen. This is the County Business Talks podcast, produced by H2 Productions. Okay, welcome to another episode of the County Business Talks podcast. My guest this week is a branding expert with over four decades of experience within the creative industry, working with some of the biggest global brands on the planet. He is also visiting lecturer at a number of art colleges and universities. Today, we're going to talk about all things branding and his journey. I'm delighted to welcome Brandad himself. I am <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited to be here, Sam.
0: I've uh, heard a lot of your podcasts and I love the way that you've got empathy. So just be kind to me today. mate.
1: How could I not be? Brandad himself. <laughs> love that name, mate. love that name. I know we spoke about it a few times. I can't, mate. Go do on. you want
0: to know where it comes from? I do. Well, you know we're recording here at Plus X. Yes. It came from some of the young people I've been mentoring here. I was in the cafe downstairs, and a couple of them went, hey, we've got a name for you. And I went, Leonardo, George. <laughs> and I went, "Brandad," And I thought, I don't know whether to be insulted or to laugh. <laughs> so I laughed, and then I was walking to the car park, got my phone out, went brandad.co.uk, 15 quid, bang.
1: Brilliant. I <laughs> love that. I love that. And it's so memorable. I, remember, I still remember the first time I obviously yeah. met you it was at the BBC yeah. Breakfast Club, yeah. and um, and I remember you come out, you give me a card. And I was like, hey, "He's absolutely gold." You will never forget it, and I'm sure many well, people. Don't. It
0: says what it does on the tin, doesn't it? Really,
1: I love that. And, and what a perfect conversation to have then about exactly. Uh, but, exactly, but, mate. We're gonna we're gonna start. Just, just start your story. Just tell me a little bit about yeah. life growing up. Something about maybe your early years that sort of shaped who you are today. And I guess we're, we're yeah. There. Love of branding first versus yeah. versus come from?
0: It's a great question. I mean, you know, in, in a way, I, I feel very lucky. You know, I had two very loving parents. They met at Oxford during the war. And I'm talking about the Second World War. This is how granddad I am. <laughs> yeah. uh, they met at Oxford, and uh, he was a scientist, and she was uh, studying English and the arts. And they brought us up to, to really love books and stuff. But I was the youngest of four, yeah. and my father was a scientist, whereas my mother was a very good painter. And I think she said, to you know to herself she said the dad can have the first three the last one's mine <laughs> so she encouraged me to paint and draw and stuff and also uh, i kind of loved the sort of comic strips in the newspapers and so i started getting comics as well and started copying comics so at a very young age i was being encouraged to draw mm-hmm. but also just loving comic books and you know a love of dc comics and all that kind of stuff yeah, sure. so it kind of encouraged my my art side and then my mother who created me both you know nature but also nurtured my creativity she definitely you know i used to love watching her paint and it was a kind of you know the creative process was just fantastic yeah oh,
1: i love that i love that and then what so uh, look, obviously that, that whole creative side and doing that mm-hmm. growing up was was that always i just want to get into that side of it was that was that always your goal, oh, I'm gonna get no that.
0: it's because i went to a kind of old-fashioned grammar school which in fact my brother went to my father had been to weirdly i was taught by the same French teacher as my father, which was bizarre. But uh, So this old-fashioned grammar school, and they encourage you to be academic. And uh, I loved history. I still love history. I talk about the history of branding mm, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was kind of 50-50 between going to university to do history or go to art college. And then my dad was not a natural marketeer. He said, but don't go to art school. It's full of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And I thought, Dad, you're a natural marketeer. I'm going to art school.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. And, and then, so you obviously you went to art school and studied. So w- yeah. And then coming out of that was that. Well, I just want to get into yeah.
0: marketing branding. Well, and I can You know, I think it's it's funny. I'm, I'm you know teaching now or visiting lecturers at some places, and it's it's a struggle. I think for a lot of graphic designers to think, you know, what do I do with my graphic design when I've done it? And of course, I always thought I wanted to go and work in advertising. Mm. For me, that seemed to be you know the place where you could have fun, make money, and stuff. And when I graduated out of, um, I was at the LCP, which is now the London College of Communication, Mm. a a great college, had some great lecturers there. Um, I'd had a placement in an ad agency, and I just hated it. And I thought, oh, my God, I've done three years' study, and I'm now in a job that I just don't want to do at all. And somebody said, why don't you just go work for a design company and do sort of packaging and and design brand identities and stuff like that? I said, all right, I'll give it a go. And the first week at this company I joined, I loved it. We were just creating new brands. Wow. And it was just, you know, the whole creative process, using design and using imagination and using storytelling, Mm -hmm. was fantastic. And uh, uh, there's a story to tell here, because the first brand I worked on was we had these boxes of tortilla chips and crisps and nuts and everything, and they wanted to come up with a brand. And the idea came up that these are are foods from around the world, so we called it Phileas Fogg. It was the launch of the Phileas Fogg snack brand. One of the very first things I worked on, and I just thought... I love it. We're creating something out of nothing, and yeah. people just felt, you know, it was very successful at the time, a long time ago. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I, I love that, and I'm, I'm, I'm obviously a fan of that, that creative. I've spoke to different people within, that, within the industry and stuff like that. and It's just fascinating, like because it's the bloodline, I guess, of uh, a couple of things. I really think yeah. make a business thing is obviously your brand and your brand identity is the key, yeah. isn't it? Yeah obviously the story how you, how you yeah. tell that and then you know i always talk about culture and because actually grow out business and stuff like that the culture yeah. but actually at the starting point of any anything is getting that story right and getting that brand identity yeah. is so. Cute. well i think
0: that's what i liked about it, it was a combination of, of 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 visual identity and verbal identity and because i was also a sort of writer again encouraged by my mother mm. and uh so you know i still do a lot of copywriting now is it's the two things it's the visual and verbal together And if you go back into the history of brands, which we'll touch on a bit later, it's really the meshing of those two that makes more successful brands. Is when because you know you know I've worked with lots of companies and they go you know a brand is just a logo and you kind of go, (laughs) you know how can I tell you it's so much more than that? Which people begin to realise now.
1: Yeah, no, I'm sure, I'm sure. I mean, well, look, let's. Delve into that a little bit. I'd like to know, like, give maybe a little bit of an overview to the listeners about, about the history of branding yeah. and stuff and where things sort of began when people first started looking yeah. at that.
0: Well, it's kind of uh, really interesting. We'll go on to some books later, which I'm going to refer to, you, but uh, uh, which I know previous um, uh, speakers here have talked about. But when you look into the history of branding, uh, it's obviously, it, you know, it's a bit like it's a fake thing, it's mm. made up, like lots of things are made up. But it's kind of made up for a good reason. So if you think about the cognitive revolution, what, 70,000 years ago, when people started telling stories. Mm. So storytelling happened long before making marks. But when people started making pots and ceramics and things like that, they used to put their signature on the bottom or a stamp to make make sure it was theirs. And, of mm. course, once in, international trade started growing, especially around the Mediterranean, yeah. you know, pots were coming in from China, pots were going from Greece. So artifacts started to have the mark or the signature. So, and of course, what that was supposed to be saying is, look, I've made this with pride. You know, it's got provenance; it comes from somewhere. It's made with the best materials. Mm. So already, that mark was beginning to have something, have some meaning. And of course, the trader, being a good salesman, would say, "This is the best pot. This is why it's worth this much because it's made by X." Yeah, yeah. So the branding process really started as a way of um, pride in your workmanship and, wow. and creating marks. And of course, when you think about hallmarks in um, in jewellery. That's exactly what that is. It's showing a provenance. So branding was really at the very start of trade, really. Uh, So you had that signifies where it comes from, and this signifies what it means. And the salesperson in them, in the trader, would tell the story. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's why if you went to an antiques roadshow now, they go, yes, this is a Ming vase from, you
1: know. And they'll (laughs) they'll put
0: a value on it, and all the people behind go, whoa. (laughs) But it's it's been branded, you see. So it's got a provenance. You know the history of it.
1: Yeah. Even, like you say, down to literally just being a signature of someone, but it is a...
0: Absolutely. And the word brand is an even more fascinating story. It's an old Norse term. So the, the term comes from a thing called brander, B-A-R-N-D-R, which means to mark your animal, your, your livestock, with, a, with a, a, a burning stick, you know, put across mm-hmm. it or whatever. So literally, it was putting a mark in something. And, of course, this really developed in, in 19th century America when people you know the herds on the plains of america people you know they were all roaming free so you had to brand their ass with a mark to to say that it's yours so branding comes literally from burning a logo on somebody's bum (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: look ernie what um how how have you seen will that be edited i don't think so no no (laughs) no will leave that one in leave that one in but what talk to me a little bit about i guess look you, you you've been in you know brand and creative creative industry for many many years have you seen it change I guess over the yeah, it's I like mean, to where we are. We talked a little bit offline. Yeah, oh, Alan, uh, maybe things have changed a little bit. But
0: what? Well, tell me that. it's a great question because the real revolution, sort of, if you think about it, the 19th century, is when really capitalism took hold mm. and things were being traded around the world, and that's where packaged goods. You know, in the in before things were packaged up, mm. they were sold loose stock. In fact, some of the shops now in Seven dollars are going back to doing that no packaging thing. So yeah. it's an irony, but we'll come yeah. on for that another yeah, time. Yeah. But this idea of packaged goods was really really the, the sort of 19th century thing of products going around the world. So you had, you know, g- g- jars of coffee, you had tins of, of beans, you had all sorts of things. Start, that's where branding really kind of came into its own. And that's really the kind of growth of consumer branding. Mm. Um, and what accelerated with that was obviously improvements in printing, improvements in packaging technology, all sorts of things. So lots of brands were about the brand in the hand. Um, what really changed in the 20th century is, is then... Uh, more and more businesses thought, well, it's a good idea to signify who we are. So businesses began to brand themselves, create their own corporate identities and things. And then if you think post-war, well, the Second World War, um, then services started to brand themselves. So if, if you like, the first generation of branding was like a jar of coffee. The second genera- generation of branding was more like going to a Starbucks. It's the experience. Mm-hmm. So you brand the experience. It's about with friends having a coffee. It's not about where does that coffee come from? So branding started with products, really, and moved into services. And to answer your question, it's going around in circle. What we moved into, particularly with the growth of the internet and computer-aided design, is much more uh, a brand is about reputation, a brand is about what people say about you. It's not about what the company thinks it's telling you. It's actually if other people around you say, that brand is good, try it. Mm-hmm. You actually believe you're... Uh, peers more than you actually believe. People become cynical about marketing. You know, this generation, the younger generation, know exactly when they're being marketing to, and they don't like it. Mm. So they like recommendations. That's why you've got sort of peer recommendations and you've got reputation management and all sorts of things. So branding's changed with technologies, and also it's changed with, with as people become more wary. But if you think about it, a lot of brands were hugely successful in the 60s because of TV advertising whereas TV advertising doesn't have the same hold anymore it's actually much more about um, social media platforms so technologies change branding all the time and we'll talk about it a bit later but playing with AI design is just blowing my mind at the
1: moment yeah uh, we're definitely uh, we're definitely come on to to AI because that is is fascinating but I guess it's it's really interesting that you say about that and for, for me like you look at Something from a branding point of view, and some people may go, their brand, like you said earlier, is oh, that's our logo. Well, no, it's more than that. And some people might go, actually, that's our values, then, and that's what we stand for, etc. And you you know, you can chuck them on the wall, and you know, on your website, and you go, oh, you know, these are our core values, this is what we stick to. But actually, listening to you talk there, and I guess you're right, it's not anything really to do with that, it encapsulates it, but it's actually what. Speaks to people and how you, yeah. the emotions and how you make that person feel for what when they look at that brand. Yeah,
0: and also you, you, need, to, you need to get into their vernac- vernacular. You know, think of some of the most successful brands, they become verbs. You know, mm. think how irritated James Dyson is that people Hoover with a Dyson, you yeah. know, because Hoover's got, and people Google search, you know. So the successful brands become part of the vernacular. Yeah. Uh, Elastoplast and Post it Notes, they've all become part of, they're beyond the brand, they're actually describing the objects. So yeah. it's it's really interesting that um, uh, successful brands just get tied into actually language. Yeah, sure,
1: sure. That's interesting. I mean, well look, Talk to me a little bit about, obviously you've worked with a lot of large agencies, you you run your own agency as well. I mean, talk to me about some, I mean, when I first met you we had a coffee and you talked to me about some of the uh, exciting brands that you've worked with over the years. Talk talk to me about some of them and any that really sort of stand out. Well, I was very
0: very lucky. I I mean, I I think I've, uh, you know... I don't know. You kind of make your own luck or it's serendipity. But um, after I went to the small agency that did Phileas Fogg, I then went to work for a, uh, an agency that was growing fairly quickly called Kelly Porter Bell, who are now part of Martin Sorrell's WPP group. But then they were just an independent company. And we were doing lots of new product development. And, you know, I used to sort of love it when I come back and... and My son, who should know better and is in his 30s, still remembers the fact my dad worked on creating McCoy's Crisps or Hobnob Biscuits or things like that. Uh, Whereas I think probably my favorite story is what I tell the people here at Plus X and they go, okay, we'd love you to help on the brand. Uh, Is there anything famous you've worked on? I go, just look next door. And they go, what do you mean? I say, see that big square orange sign? They went, yeah, b and I did that 25 years ago. And I tell them the story of Mr. Block and Mr. Quail, who had their, you know, hardware shop in Southampton. And, of course, the brand wasn't, you couldn't call it. So they used to research with white van men and say, you know, what do you think of Block and Quail? They went, what, the old B&Q? Pop down in the morning, pick me plasterboard up. That's a B&Q, isn't it? And so, wow. <laughs> so it went back to them and said, your brand is B&Q, it's not Block and Quail.
1: That eh? That was done
0: before my time, but I created the identity for B&Q because B&Q then moved into the Far East, into China and Taiwan and things. But it was, I mean, I love the fact that, you know, and B&Q, really clever brand, they didn't do a URL of com. Their URL is diy.com because they know that people were searching for DIY. They're not searching for by brand name so i think one of the pieces of advice i'm giving to brands even now is don't think that your brand name has to be url try and think what you might be searched for so there's a kind of what's interesting there is branding is changing as how people try and find brands or related brands is changing
1: i guess that yeah look the internet itself must have changed branding massively yeah I, I, yeah I, i'm assuming and even like you say even more so now as well with seo and stuff like that it, it's, I guess it's just constantly evolving.
0: Yeah, well, it's accelerating so quickly. I remember when a couple of designers I used to, young designers working for me, they went, oh, we, we ought to be thinking about doing a website and getting onto email. I was going, that's <laughs> passing fad. Yeah. And, of course, generation the first generation of websites were like brochure sites, really. They were fairly simple. But the real revolution for branding, I think, on- online is is web point two is when the social platforms started appearing the Facebook's and things and so suddenly people were having conversations with their peers about brands so brands thought they had a good reputation if they did something wrong they would suddenly get very bad reputation very quickly so what happens it's a bit like the the storytelling around campfires is now spreading worldwide really quickly what used to be told in days is now told in seconds so the social platforms are a big revolution. Of course, we're just about to go into Web 3.0 and the Metaverse and all of that, and yeah. what that means. So that's going to change again, and how people operate with that, and how people design for brands within that, is going to change.
1: But but the fundamentals, so like from you, your you, you've seen the the evolution of it and the different mm. changes and the different things. But from a, you, you sit down and talk with a client now, it's the fundamentals of getting the the, the answer to that, what they what their brand is about still back to the, the I basics. I think so.
0: It's still back to the basics because, you know, I, I, my, you've probably heard this before, is, is I say a brand is like a, a fingerprint for a human or a tree ring for a tree. We've all got them, but they're all slightly different depending about what we're about. It's the same basic rules. hasn't changed with technology. You've still got to have, you know, why you're here, who you're here for, what do you deliver, how do they receive it, how do they react to it, what's the response you want. It's, it was the same when you were sending packaged goods around the world. that is now when you're selling services online, mm. so the the fundamental rules haven't changed. The technologies have changed, yeah. and it's a sort of and and I, I apply the same questions to every brand, whether it's a telecoms brand, it's a tequila brand, it's a, somebody launching a personal brand. You still ask the same questions, which are it's it's quite interesting. And of course, the most difficult thing that a person has when they're trying to describe their company and it's the funniest things I've ever had is when you say one of my questions is, what's your elevator pitch? Mm. You know, you've got 30 seconds or 100 words to describe what you do. And if you send those questions out to, I don't know, four or five different stakeholders in the company, and you get the answers back. It'll be completely different from the finance director as from the sales director, depending which silo they're in. And so, what you've got to do if, uh, to get the brand together, particularly if you're doing a brand refresh, is say, okay, we've got to get a consensus on what this means. Because you're talking, about, if you're talking about the company in a different way, you don't have a brand elevator pitch. You don't have a, something that the brand stands for. Because every brand needs to have a kind of mission and
1: values and mm-hmm. purpose, really. Oh, that's really intricate, Look, and I, I, I'm completely bought into. It. I know, you like. You and the guys at Inside Stories talking, yeah. and, and there's so much crossover with obviously yeah. w- w- what you do. But that, that was for me, we'd done when we'd done the Inside Stories process, yeah, with them, just finding what our narrative was. Yeah, it was, the, it was that penny drop moment game changer for us in yeah. the sense that we did. There were all of us sitting around a table, mm. investors, you know, other directors, and, and staff members, and we're all sitting there. And actually, if you asked the, each one of us, we'd Describe county business clubs in a different way. Yeah, probably all come round to the same way of thinking, and oh, this is this, but we do X, Y, and Z. Yeah, and actually, we weren't all necessarily on the same page, and I think that's that that penny drop moment of going actually this is our elevator pitch and we all agreed with it and all was yeah. like this is actually what we do yeah. was, uh,
0: well you've kind of you know if you think about it i mean one of my loves i, I kind of i was a designer you know i went to curly portobello and I, then i had a company called planet which we then sold to future brand i was a great director of future brand before i went independent but all through that journey i've been picking up different ways in which i, I want to do things and i moved very quickly from wanting to be a designer as to being wanting to create better brand strategy because a better brand strategy means you're creating a better brief for designers and copywriters. Mm -hmm. So the brand workshops that I now run now are purely about making sure there's a better brief because designers and copywriters, people on the creative side, hate having a brief that's trying to be everything to everyone. You've got to have some focus. You've got to have some. Sh- you've got to have a. You know, you should be hitting the
1: target with a sniper's rifle, not a blunderbuss. You know. Yeah, no. It's so, tr- and even when it comes to sort of networking and stuff, you speak to people about. Yeah. You know, and I, I've been so guilty of it as well. When people say to you, "Oh, who's your who, who, who's your clients? Who like, do you work with?" Yep. Oh, anyone. You can work, well, can't necessarily work yeah. for everyone, can you? So, what <coughs> the more specific you are, and I think, yeah. the more, the, and by having that brand identity, by having that story narrative, by being able to articulate that and communicate yeah. that in a better way, you're able to then hone in on who are your audience, who are you trying it's, to speak it's to.
0: It's a great question. People say to me, You, you must specialize in something, and of course, I haven't. I've worked internationally on lots of different brands big mm. brands, small brands, SMEs, startups, all across different. You know areas and categories and technologies and mm-hmm. products and services and and there 's nothing I particularly love, but there are certain brands i wouldn 't work for you know i, I don 't really want to do anything to do with the military for instance or okay. environmentally bad companies or uh, you know, I'm not particularly into sort of banking or lawyers, unless you're watching this and you're a banker or lawyer who's doing <laughs> brand but, but there's kind of certain things which just aren't me. You know, I tend to work better with uh, human brands, brands who I think are, are, tr- are striving for a purpose. They're trying to do better products mm. and contribute back to society and the environment in a better way. It's interesting.
1: I want to touch on personal branding because I know like, we sort of yeah. spoke briefly about, about it offline and, and stuff. It's t- it's is it is that something that's always been around personal branding? Mm. Like, is, for me, it seems more like it's become more of a, but with, with you know with influencers and uh, yeah you know, social media and stuff, it, it's become more of a oh yeah. you build your personal brand. Yeah. But I, I think you're right. I think the
0: difference is people are now aware that they can create their own personal brand. Mm. I think a lot of strong personal brands were created just by you know. Henry Ford, or Marilyn Monroe, or Charlie Chaplin—they were, you know, became famous for certain things and stood for things. Mm. Uh, one of the first people that really kind of, uh, I think, whether you like him or not, its, it's not a point. is Richard Branson, Virgin. Mm. You know, he definitely broke the mold by being saying, you know, here's an airline, but I'm entrepreneurial, and you know, you've got to buy into me as a character. And I know I was a Virgin loyalist. I flew when I was doing lots of meetings in America yeah. with Virgin because I thought they were just cooler than 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 flying BA but also the thing is it wasn't just cool because Branson was entrepreneurial they had really clever things like they'd pick you up and take you to the airport in a chef driven car mm. even if you weren't flying business they had all sorts of services which were about we just want to make the journey you know from end to end mm. just comfortable you could get a massage on the plane you could, I mean it was just much more just completely different from BA so that's where his personal brand I think has infused the Virgin brand and I think a lot of people now have begun to realize that That success, Steve Jobs with Apple as well. um, In terms of, you know, a lot of the Apple success is about
1: his philosophy. Um, But they've still built. I'd be interested to touch on that because they've still built like Virgin. He built an amazing brand, Virgin. But you're, I guess, what you're saying is actually that's all of anything that's under the Virgin banner is all synonymous with Richard with People, people's mindset that they go the second they think of Virgin, do they think of Richard Brenton. Is it that? I
0: don't know. I think, I think. if, if anything, I think the, the Virgin brand is tarnished because, you know, if people are having a bad experience on a Virgin train, you know, or, you know, and he's tried lots of things like Virgin Colas and Virgin Voxes and things which yeah. have failed. So he's not always successful. But somehow, but, but to move on to other people who've begun to realise that they, you know, their brand has real value. And of course, the archetypal brand that knows it is Beckham. You yeah. know, Beckham has said, you know, whether he's had good advice or a strong wife or whether he's seriously bright himself. <laughs> Questions in the house <laughs> there. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's, he just knows he's a powerful personal brand, whether he's representing football or whether he's representing a whiskey or whether, you know, he and his family are launching perfumes. You know, they are definitely of, of now in terms of yeah. Beckham. I'm sure Beckham's kids will do much the same. You know, they're creating a dynasty.
1: But he, But he has created that from... From being a sporting icon, isn't he? So yeah. He's, he's, yeah, he's leveraged that sport. I guess not from a lame to so someone that's not a celebrity, not in that public eye. Yeah. I guess is, is it possible for them to achieve?
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, I that, think that the, the people weirdly, the people who I think have done really well at personal branding are a lot of them motivational speakers. Who obviously have written good books. Uh, some of the people working in the healthcare profession, mm-hmm. you know, the well-being professionals. So I think there's, there are a lot of people who begin to realise that it's that if they are both uh, out on a public stage, but they're also creating motivating publications. Mm-hmm. That actually their brand, they represent something, you know, and that's where personal branding has really become more and more sophisticated. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, personal branding. I mean, I've worked on David Bailey camera accessories and. Alan Titchmarsh gardening tools and <laughs> uh, I have worked on Trini and Susanna um, underwear, you know, so I've worked on lots of sort of brands that are based yeah. on a personality, but I think personal, about, personal branding about, you know, I, I've got something to tell you, I've got knowledge, and I want to share it, and I want to share it in a good way, whether it's the written word or, or yeah. you know, how I appear on stage,
1: I think it's really important. So under that guise, I guess, w- would someone like, I know, I'd be keen to see who you think of when you come to that but for me you mentioned that I would be looking at people like Stephen Bartlett I guess you know Jay Shetty those type of people exactly like you said they've they've created they've become successful especially Stephen Bartlett become successful by selling a company and making some money out of it but what he's done he's leveraged his personal brand
0: yeah I think there's lots of people. But I mean, in my world, in the branding world, Simon Simek did the same. Yeah, you yeah. know, when when he wrote the why, you know, yeah, yeah. and he said, you know, all these old kind of brand keys and brand squares and all that kind of stuff, it's not, you go back to basics, you know, why, how, who, for, yeah, when, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. just the simple questions. And so you speak to somebody and say, have you, have you read Simon Simek's The Why? They went, yeah. You know, it's like you're all in the know. Yeah, yeah. So his brand, in terms of his expertise about actually the way he's he's reconsidered how we consider marketing and branding has has become you know so very successful.
1: Yeah, he's fantastic. I've obviously read it, and yeah. so many people like you speak to anyone about business yeah. marketing, whatever that is. Have you had Simon's <laughs> Yeah, you're, you're absolutely spot I, I wanted to touch on a little bit actually about mm. your your personal journey, and I guess you know what led you to start your own business yeah. for and 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 talk to me a little bit about that starting that and you know some of the ups and downs running that I guess over the, yeah. uh, over the time well
0: in a way I've, I've had you know it's been a roller coaster. some things I've chosen to do have been successful some have been failure but you learn from the failures as well mm. um, the first I didn't you know probably left a bit late the first company I became a director of a partner of with a group of other people was uh, when I was 30 whereas now I think I should have done that earlier but uh, at 30, it was the right why, time. Why,
1: why, why did you think you should have done it earlier? Um,
0: I think I, I still had lots to learn. You know, I was working in a really good agency uh, by that time. Um, it was Kelly uh, um, Porter Bell, you know, a really good agency. Mm-hmm. But um, I met some product designers, and they wanted to create new products from a three-dimensional point of view. And I was interested in more of the two-dimensional. But, of course, if you think about the boom in new product development certainly in the drinks market mm-hmm. we did loads of drinks brands which is great fun to re- research yeah, yeah, as yeah. you know yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and you know so obviously it'd be, if you think about how iconic the coca-cola bottle shape is yeah. but we were creating bottle shapes and doing brands and you know it was just that was really when i really loved creating new products and it, for all sorts of our clients were uh, united distillers and guinness and budweiser and heineken and, and people just wanted new brands and new brand shapes and that, I found that really exciting so that was uh, uh, a success the stupidest thing we did is we kind of believed our own success and wanted to bail off mortgages so we sold that company and we sold it to a company who I don't know if there's any legal people watching I'm not going to say anything about them we shouldn't have sold we should have carried on it independently and so that was probably a, a mistake, kind of waking up and realising a year later I'm now an employee again it's yeah. quite a difficult thing to do and the company we sold it to became Future Brand and I worked for Future Brand for a while. And then I realized, you know, you kind of wake up in the morning and you've got a huge creative team. You've got to go out and earn tens of thousands of pounds of revenue every month just to feed the fire. And I kind of, I think I had woke up one morning on a beach in Caribbean and said, I don't want to do this anymore. I can, you know, I think a lot of my clients just want my experience. They don't need me to have a... A team behind, So that's when I went first independent. Um, and lots of clients came with me because they said, well, we want your advice, and you know lots of very good creative people who can deliver it. So that's when I first kind of realized that um, you don't need to own a company when you've got the experience to uh, almost be like a hub-and-spoke network. The yeah. person wants to speak to you about your experience, and then you can bring in those talented people when you need them. And, of course, that's become the culture of now. I'm not going to say I predicted it. There are other yeah. people practicing it. But I kind of realized in my early 40s that having a building and filling it full of staff is not the smartest way to move. And also, I found myself that my biggest love, a bit like you, is talking to clients about what they're trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. My big love wasn't managing people anymore. You know, when you're kind of doing, you know, 30 appraisals of staff. Believe you me, you feel you feel like a school teacher, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not it's not as much fun as what you really want to be doing, which is the talking to a client about what are you trying to achieve with your business. So if I know more about your business, if I know more about your target customers, you know, then I can think about this is where I should be looking about moulding your business and your brand. So I've been really doing that on and off in different guises, um, for the last twenty years and moved to Brighton ten years ago. And, of course, what I found in Brighton, one, one, I wanted to kind of semi-retire anyway, which I've not managed to do very well. (laughs) But also, Brighton kind of revitalized me because it's such a great community here. It's a great technology and creative hub. And there's lots of freelancers who want to work together. The collaboration here in Brighton is fantastic. And, you know, I made, you know, as you know, you collaborate with loads of people. And I'm not going to say I predicted it, uh, but I do think I predicted lockdown in terms of working from home, Five years before COVID. Yeah. You know. yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, it's, it's so, branding and technology has changed, but also how you do it. And as, as you get kind of experience and stuff, I, I then became a non-executive director for a company who I really love, who I'm still very close with, uh, called Studio Blup. Uh, I've had a relationship with them for about 10 years, and they were acquired by the Lab Group uh, in Soho uh, about a year and a half, two years ago. Gr- they're acquired by a great company, and they're now the creative driving force mm. and uh, you know it's it's i first saw them saw some of the website work they were doing some of the illustration work mm. and i thought to myself this is the future of design and how they were applying and of course they're now doing nfts they're doing holograms they're doing mixed reality <coughs> you know they, they've applied their creativity for branding through mm. technology and just i don't have to do that because it's still me saying well this is the brand framework just mm. fill it with the stuff you need
1: I love th- I love that. Like you've mentioned that to me a few times about brand framework and <coughs> like you said, it what's really interesting listening to the, the whole journey and the history of branding and stuff that just like you, you've alluded to, coming back to those you yep. know uh, those ba- those fundamental basics yep. is always gonna be at the core of it. And then yep. you know, of course you've got to develop and you've got to adapt to you know, World Wide Web and AI and all them things that that come along it, but mm. the core are, are still them fundamentals.
0: The, the one thing that I've really loved about doing my work, particularly in Brighton and particularly working here with people at Plus X, is how the young entrepreneurs, particularly the solopreneurs, are so committed to giving something back. They're, mm. they're committed to community, society, sustainability. The environment in a way that the, my generation probably wasn't and I think I love the fact that that's driving and almost every business I'm working with is striving to 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 be a b-core you know and and almost have that stamp of actually we we proved we're contributing something back and that certainly wasn't my generation you know we mm-hmm. didn't strive to be a b-core it didn't exist you know mm-hmm. it's not it wasn't the same sort of thing but um I think that because that's being woven into business now you know people are not just saying I want to provide a good service or a good product mm. but I want to people to know that I've sourced it ethically I've manufactured it ethically uh, you know and brands like Patagonia led the way of course in that in terms of you know brands with purpose and uh, it's, it's interesting how society and the environment and particularly young concerns about how society is changing and how the environment is changing has made I think bigger businesses have to rethink
1: what they're doing in fact I know it has That's really, t- touching on that point about people wanting to have a bit more of an impact the uh, one of the things I wear the t-shirt now Like one of the yep. things I, I constantly ask is people's definition of success yep. do, you, do you think that ultimately in business and that has been since the beginning of the time I guess yep. that it's measured by your financial profits, and that's a successful business based on that. Do, do you think that, that that has shifted? It's massively?
0: a really tough question. I mean, you
1: know, I, I
0: I built and sold businesses and made money, which paid off houses and hmm. son through education and stuff like that. I now don't think it was the be all and end all, and it's not what I strive for now. And it's but not did what that I,
1: drive you when you was when you started that business and you got it to that stage? I,
0: to I don't know whether it drove me or I was driven by the success of it in other words you know I was working at a time when branding was really kind of the sort of mid 90s to now branding has just changed mm-hmm. you know when I left art school you could go and work in corporate identity design or packaging design nobody talked about branding they're exactly the same thing mm-hmm. and branding is an ethos and there were great books ones that I, I've, I've loved um, one of them was called The Big Idea and it, in fact I called one of my companies The Big Idea because I just thought You know, it's exactly what Simon Simic's saying. At the heart of a successful brand, has to be a big idea. Mm, If there's not something... And and it's still true now. You know, if you can't tell a compelling story and it's not based in truth, you're either not interesting or you'll be found out and then you've killed your brand. So there's a kind of responsibility which is now kind of knitted or woven into what brands have to do, Mm. which probably wasn't true many years
1: ago. Yeah, okay. Okay, that's interesting. But but do you, do you think then you're, defi- like you said, you, you may be driven by the success of the business that have grown, and then uh. but then but for you now, do you look at things co- differently for that measure of success? Do you, someone mentioned to me mm. not that right now, but someone that spoke about it, someone I know really well, and about actually a, a business. Wouldn't it be brilliant if businesses were measured on their emotional profit as opposed yeah. to uh, yeah. I,
0: I that's not really an area I go into, but I do get a reward now. You know, the reward I used to get before is is you know delivering a successful new product that suddenly took the market by storm was you know fantastic. Now, particularly as I work with a lot of startup brands and SMEs and solopreneurs, as I say, you know, just seeing them be successful on their journey. There's something about now. I guess it's the brand ad age of yeah, giving yeah. something back, yeah. you know, and seeing so. Uh, almost the cathartic seeing it through their success Mm. is is you know so i'm sure i'm sure i probably wouldn't like myself at 40 i was probably more driven by yeah status finance all that kind of stuff Mm. it's not you know i don't know they they say that you just become more i don't know calmer or empathetic or whatever
1: but is it but do do you you think that actually society it, it, there's a there's a shift around that narrative around because I, I'm like I say I, I, I question because I'm conflicted in yeah. within me sometimes because I, I what I think I really truly believe mm. is the you know success is wh- wh- what we're here for to love and be loved and that's yep. my you know mm. I, I'm really bought into that the whole yeah, Charlie right. Mackesy type yeah. talking that message and I'm trying yeah. but then there's, there is the flip side that the ambitious side that I don't see myself as successful because I've never yeah. been financially successful yeah. so I look at it and go other people may be and go oh, you know yeah. he's not made money no. so it that that therefore doesn't define a it's, level of success it's a great question but you know if I'd wanted to make
0: money I wouldn't have gone into design you know, the you, same as, you know, I say to my music friends, you know, it's a hit and miss thing. Mm. You know, you would have gone into banking or something. I don't know. But it's it's kind of that money is, wasn't the driver. The fact that I managed to make a success of a business that was actually proved to be more and more profitable was, you know, partly luck, partly serendipity, partly timing, you mm. know. Um, and, of course, you enjoy the status of it, the house, the car and all that kind of stuff. But I think it shouldn't be a driver now i think if you are good at what you do you will become successful rather than saying i want to be successful so i'll be b- bullish about it i don't i think there's been a shift in terms of i i'll make my own luck and i'll also be consistent you know i know that we've talked about ikigai before but that's mm-hmm. quite an important thing for me now you know every brand i think should have its ikigai, Ik- ikigai every person should should understand their ikigai you know cuz i'm doing now brand that age what I love mm. uh, but I when I was 21 I was doing what I loved mm. all it's all that's happened is I've changed as society's changed as the economy changed mm. as technology has changed y- you just surf that wave
1: okay I just wanted to say something about one of our sponsors creative pod it all starts with an idea the kind of creativity that wins hearts changes minds and drives new behaviors Creative Pod is an award-winning, full-service marketing agency that work with their clients to become their outsourced creative department for a fixed monthly fee. For almost 20 years, they've been offering clients a full-service approach in everything from branding, PR and social media, to web development, pay-per-click and print advertising. They've been County Business Club's outsourced marketing agency for over a year now and have been a real game-changer for us as a company. To find out more, get in touch with a team at www.creativepod.com dot uk dot com. Okay, back to the podcast. Yeah, Okay, I, I, I'm glad you mentioned because I, I really want to talk about icky guy and mm. t- t- some of the listeners might have not heard of it. T- t- no. t- just explain what that is. What that means, and what it, I
0: guess what it means to you. Yeah, it? well, I, I use it in my, my, my uh, brand workshops, but I use it a lot for personal branding in particular. Mm. Is, is you know, It's a, a Japanese philosophy, which essentially means the thing that motivates you to get up every day, the thing that motivates you to get out of bed in the morning. And to find your true Ikigai, you've got to kind of, you know, what are you good at? So imagine a Venn diagram. That's the Venn in the middle. What are you good at? You know, what do you love? Uh, what's the world need? and what can be rewarded for. If you get all those in harmony, that's your ikiga in the middle, and that should be your personal brand purpose. So, you know, for me, I knew I was good at creativity and, and problem solving. You know, I loved art and design. You know, I was working on brands that wanted clever creative solutions, and you can get rewarded for. And it's still, that th- is true now, but in a different way. So, um, if you apply that to any brand, you can get to, and it's one. It's only one of the tools. There so are lots of different tools. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, but it's it's, it's it's a very simple tool. And I did that for somebody who, actually, I'm doing some personal branding for at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I'm also doing some mentoring at Solo House. I've just done a Nicky guy for her. She went, I've never heard of it. She's 21. She said, I love it. I said, are you going to tell all your friends? She went, yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it.
1: That's brilliant. I, I, do, I, I find it fascinating because it is, it's, it's, and again, it's asking. And sometimes they're difficult questions to yeah. actually ask yourself, yeah, aren't they? Yeah. And, and the same, I think the same with branding as well. Like back to them, them questions from a business point of view. Sometimes they're really difficult questions yeah. that you have to ask. To, yeah. But if if you don't find the answers to them, you're never going to yeah. find them. But I think solution. you know, you know.
0: We'll talk over, over a coffee or a pint about you, like a guy. You know, I, I, I've seen what you've been doing, and a lot of it's about your empathy, it's about the fact you love people, you love conversations, you love communication. There's, all, there's certain things about you which, you know, I know you've come from a different background, through different kinds of businesses but you've kind of you you it seems to me people is at the, the heart of your right, you know your right. and, and getting people together and getting people to talk which yeah. you know that's a good thing as we were talking about sort of mental health and stuff people need to talk about, about yeah. more and uh, getting business people to talk and share i think is great. It's one of the things i love about the, the business club is getting people all completely different professions just talking about the joy of being in business and the joy of their own particular business it's yeah.
1: you know Oh, it, oh, I completely agree with you it's a magical part of it uh, something i found fascinating being in and only found that really be, being being in business I yeah. guess for so long and, and building community and not actually realising that that was part of what I love doing but yeah, being but around people I'm definitely a people person I always have been yeah. and I, lo- I love that And I'm, but actually you're like learning over the over the last 10-15 years of running business especially being in this amazing yeah. business community here yeah. like I've always said on here with county business clubs, not not so much fear, but my thought process of as we grow and we go, okay, we're going to go to Kent or Surrey or you know Essex, wherever we we expand to next, is that how unique is the Sussex business community here? Mm. Just because I've embraced it and I've been fortunate enough to meet amazing people here, and I I wonder how unique it is here.
0: Well, it's a great question. I've been working on the Plus X brand Mm. on the brand strategy side of that, and of course. Uh, they uh, the choice of Brighton to do the very first Plus X before they expand nationally um, has been a brilliant choice because it's it's been able they've been able to test mm-hmm. what works and what doesn't work, but probably test it in a way that you know there is a unique quality to to this culture in here mm-hmm. uh, in this city and and, and on this coast, um, and I think uh, they've been able to prove to themselves that the model works, mm-hmm. uh, so it's a good testing ground.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know. I agree. I agree. And then, Well, look. T- t- tell me a little bit about. You know, he works with some massive brands that, as, as you sort of alluded to there. But what, in in your opinion, give give me some. I guess some key elements that you think. Really make a yeah. Well,
0: make a, make a well, effect. it's you know it's J- Jeff Bezos who knows a few things about branding. <laughs> yeah. He's the one who said you know a, a brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room, and of course what he's saying is it's true. Brand is about reputation. It's not about what you tell them; it's about what they say about you. So you may think you're telling somebody, but if they're not listening or they're not hearing it properly and they're reinterpreting it, you haven't got a brand. So it's a lot of brand. Good brand is about obviously a great product and service. It's about Promising and delivering against that promise and service. Having a purpose, I think, that people understand you for, although I don't believe that all brands have to deliberately have a purpose. There's Mm. a lot of purpose washing going on. We'll come on to that if you want. Mm. But um, then also about delivering against your promise. Every single touch point, you know, when you receive a package, when you go into a store, every touch point, when you go online, it's kind of, you feel, oh, that brand has a kind of harmony about it. Mm. It's not disjointed. And so the clever thing is and I say this when we're doing a brand refresh or a brand design, it's no good just thinking that you're communicating to your consumers. Your employees have to believe this too. If they are not your disciples, if they're not carrying on your ethos, the whole thing back to the elevator pitch, if they're confused about what your brand is, you don't have a brand. Because if, you know, they've got to be proud to work for the company, mm. they're gonna be your best advocates,
1: you know, it's like you you want them to wear the T-shirt, yeah. um, and how does that lead? I guess how, how does that lead into culture? Like, do, do you like from a branding point of view, mm. the, the, does does that infiltrate the um, and decide what the company culture is going to be? Once you if you, you spoke you, to a startup and you go, what well, yeah. from from this from this starting point now you get this brand identity right that's gonna that will live and breathe your culture moving forward
0: yeah well some companies the chemistry is built on the founder you know the Steve Jobs kind of philosophy or the Richard Branson and some are about actually creating something which is much more like a community or collaborative culture you know and which isn't such a personal brand it's actually just here's something we here's an ethos we share together Um, but you've got to have one you've got to have a mission you've got to have a set of values Because if you don't, how can you communicate them? And and also, every brand has a different, like individuals, we have a different personality. And a lot of, you know, I was once joking to my son. I said, I'm a fashion designer for capitalism. And he went, what do you mean? I said, well, I'm dressing businesses. What I do is I dress the veneer about what looks. And he went, oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Might as a fashion designer. <laughs> no, I didn't quite mean that, but it's so, you know in the same way that we dress in different ways, which say something about us. Mm. A lot of the visual side of branding and the story, you know, so we all have our own tone of voice, but we dress, you know, so you remember people by, and I say to, a bit like, I hate the term digital marketing or, or, or social media marketing because the same trick was true before technology. You know, if you want to grab attention, you walk into the middle of a room, you have to say something interesting and people want to listen to you. Otherwise, you're going to be a wallflower and be in the corner. It's the same thing online. You know, if you want to grab attention, say something good, say something interesting, say something entertaining, but make sure you're saying something that's valid and true. Mm. Otherwise, people will just, you know, you'll become space junk, you know.
1: Meaningful, memorable, moving. They're, yeah, they're, they're, yeah. They're, hey, you're a I'll brand man. It's the that's four M's. The, that's, that's <laughs> the t- I'm going to, I'm going to nick that from Inside Story, Gareth. I remember, I remember that sitting <laughs> on that thing and then mentioning that, and I was like, yeah. that is, and that, that's true, isn't it? Whatever yeah. you do, I think you.
0: It's yeah. So important well, it's, it's not the five P's of marketing; it's the four M's of of, yeah. of humanity. But yeah, because yeah. yeah, I think that you know we forget that you know. And, Brands, like countries, like religions, like money—they're all constructs. We've made them. Humanity has made them up.
1: Yeah, sure.
0: But so, but we so we're in control about how they happen. Or sometimes yeah. we're not in control.
1: Yeah. Cool. To, we're saying about obviously the future. Now you Obviously, we're, we're at the time of recording. This is just after you, you delivered the, the great, um, the great presentation at obviously the BBC about, yeah. about AI. And and talk to me about that. Talk about the future. What does yeah. that? Because AI has just been my chat G. PT has yeah. been mind-blowing. Delving into that from a from a copywriting point of view, but it was brilliant your your yeah. presentation because from a visual point of view it was just fascinating to them. Yeah, that. well,
0: it's it, I mean, AI is really you know, and I want to you know, branding and design are two different things. You know, obviously, I went in through design, and uh, what I mean by that is is I'm working my way through AI and how it's applying to design, and obviously, it was following from a great. Uh, talk that james gave about copy and if i was a copywriter i'd be more more scared of text generation than as a designer Mm. and there's all sorts of issues about intellectual property what you can actually publish anyway Mm. and of course there's lots of tools coming online now about actually finding out that this has been borrowed or stolen from Mm, something so i think there's going to kind of be ai wars going on but you can't ignore the, the 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 cat's out of the bag you know it's Pandora's box has been open now. Yeah. And, you know, if you don't learn how to use the tools, you're going to get left behind. You know, in the same way, I tell students, and, and this blows their mind. I say, you know, I do a, a kind of, uh, here's me, I, I want to help you on your brand journey. Here's my brand journey, you know. Doo-doo-doo. I left college, I got my first Apple Mac when I was 27. And they're going like, how did you used to design then? I used to draw and had felt pens and <laughs> had paper. And they're going, what, well, you used to draw packaging? I went, yep. Yeah, wow. Well. You know, and so they they can't get their head around what would happen. And, and of course, I remember when the first Apple Macs came out, the first computers. Designers were running scared and going, "Oh, it's going to kill our profession." And of course, it's not. AI is not going to kill a profession. Just like you know, photography didn't kill fine art. Yeah. The synthesizer didn't kill music. What it did, artists saw photography, then invented new forms of art which couldn't be photographed. Mm-hmm. You know, musicians created new forms of music that didn't come out of four guitars. Mm -hmm. You know, so, you know, some of the dance music I love is because of the invention of the synthesizer and craft work, of course, you know. (laughs) But, um, so I think it's early days. The point was, I was trying to say I'm having fun with it. And and I, I use it more for research more than anything. And if you think about it, if you were researching something before you're using AI image generation... You'd just go on the internet and do some screenshots of different things. You'd go on to Pinterest or Instagram or into image libraries and, yeah. and just gather mood boards together. Well, the fact you can now type it in and it's done for you means it saves a lot of research time so I can spend more time on actually then developing the creative idea. I, use, I think if it's used as a research tool, it's fine. Mm. Because of all the legal issues around, which is early days, I'm still playing with it. To be fair, yeah. it's just, you know, the cat is I'd say, out of the bag. But I'm having so much fun with it. And it kind of just makes you almost, it accidentally creates things by accident mm. that actually, that's a nice visual accident, I can use that. You know, I'm sure musicians with synthesizers found, oh, you know, when you listen to one of my favorite tracks of all time, you know, uh, Blue Monday by New Order, they talk about some of the accidents that happened when they first unwrapped their first, you know, start playing their, their synthesizers and went, whoa, this drum machine thing. That's kind of, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know. And Pete Hook would play his bass to it and says, oh, it sounds like a track. But, but the point is, it, it creates new things. And I, I'm a music fanatic, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went into de- design mainly to pay for a big vinyl record collection. And I, <laughs> I used to do DJing and stuff like that. So, um, so I think the analogy between mixing, you know, t- sampling and stuff, and how to use AI, in the same way, if you just, you, you know, as, as James said, if you just get some raw AI copy it'll be very accurate, but quite dull. Yeah, but yeah. if you take that copy to inspire you to then write a better story, a better piece of narrative, but it's actually helped reference some words you need, you know, it's just, I think, if you use it as a quick way to research at the moment, yeah. um, but I, I, I can see these tools are going to change very quickly.
1: And I But I think the same with anything in life, whatever you learn over your course of your journey, that you go, know, actually... It's just about adapting and pivoting and look, COVID was a perfect example of that, wasn't yeah. it? You go, we was forced to pivot and yep. think differently and yep. innovate and come up with new ideas. We was forced mm. to do that. Yeah. We was forced to work from home. We were forced to change the landscape of how business operates, I guess. Wasn't Absolutely. It? So, yeah. um, didn't mean that then actually there's not going to be people in offices and buildings and yeah. And everyone's going to work from home now and we're never going to mm. do that because actually, there's some value right back to the feeling that we sort of mentioned about people being people—that mm. people need to be around. Like, yeah. I, I, I crave human interaction. Like I I'll, agree. When I worked from home, one of the reasons I come to Plus X and become a member quite early on was because I worked from home, yeah. and I was behind a screen all day. And yeah. I just—it it drove me mad. And yeah. uh, and I'd worked from home for. 10 or 15 yeah. years prior to that but i was always out and about at events but you couldn't do that so yeah. when i just come in here and then creating a space where there was a community and you could just bounce some ideas off yeah. it or just bump into someone at the coffee machine yeah. and have a chat yeah. there's something so powerful in that and that i don't no matter how like robotics and ai and whatever comes along they're great aids and I think if you embrace them, they're amazing what, what you can be achieved. I couldn't
0: couldn't agree more. You know, we were all locked up and having to do Zoom calls and all that kind of stuff. The minute the kind of, you know, shutters were lifted, people said, oh, I can't wait to go back and meet people again. But actually what many people say, is this a meeting where we need to meet in person, or is this a meeting we can do in twenty minutes in Zoom? So it forced people to say we don't actually need to get on a train and do that meeting if it's just a short decision the three of us can make. You know. yeah, yeah, however, if we want to have a longer session, we need to brainstorm ideas. It's easier to do it in person. It's easy to do you know with a pen and paper, yeah. whatever tools you've got. I, I think you know I, I ran some Zoom workshops and they were okay, but there just wasn't the same. Creative spark. There wasn't the same electricity in the room of when you know you know when somebody says something, and you say to somebody, "There's no wrong answer in a a workshop." And somebody says something really stupid, and you go, "Actually, there's something really clever in that." And I just think that because with the Zoom thing, where you click on and off, not everyone's you know. Whereas collectively, you kind of work in a different way. So I think that I think I love the fact we've now got a mixed economy. You know, I'm sure that, and, and I know that you know from agents, friends of mine in London, the ability to say. You don't have to come in the office every day. Come in and for the meetings you have to. Come in when we need to have a collective conversation. And and you know divide your time up. So I think it, there's going to be. You know, if I was a commercial property developer, I'd be running scared. But I think for um, uh, businesses, I think they're just adapting to ways of working.
1: Yeah, I, com- I completely agree. And I think especially from the creative part. I, remember I was speaking to a friend of mine who works in sort of PR and um, Flow Power, and she she was saying like from a creative point of view, like we are. Much better when all the whole ten of us in the, you know, the yeah. team, however many they are now, all round the table, and bouncing. on them, especially from a design, branding, creative. Absolutely. Like the, the etiquette on yeah. Zoom's not quite the same, is it? You go, oh, do I that, speak now or not? Yeah. All, but, that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can't just, like, just want to, you almost want to over-talk someone. Oh, no, no, but what about this? And then, oh, yeah, and that sparks another idea. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that 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 creativity is, yeah. it only comes for me. I agree.
0: I mean, I used to, you know, Love having teams of designers, because you always saw that one-on-one on one makes three. Yeah. That actually, both with good ideas, but actually, if we join that together, that's mm-hmm. an even stronger. You know, so and I still think that's true now. Is that um, there are some very good lone wolf people who can do it all themselves, but I always think teamwork and creativity just means that even if there was the the, the, the lone wolf had the great original idea, just bounce off people, to see if it can be. You know, you can get ten percent better out of it. Yeah. You know, you can modify it. You know, you can you know just polish it into a better diamond.
1: I completely agree with that but I think you know I, I think it's really difficult to, to to go out on your own and go up because no matter what you do yeah. you're always going to need someone yep. you're always going to need other people to help and support you on that journey whether yep. you're the focal point or not it doesn't happen if you haven't yep. got a team of people around you whatever that like I
0: agree. And, you know, uh, some of the, the, the solopreneurs I work with, you know, when we're talking about the ideas, I say, you know, I think you've come up with a really good idea, but why? You don't have to pay for any research. Just ask family and friends. Just balance it around them. See what they think. You know, at the weekend, just because I, I think you're right. Uh, you think you're right. Let's just double check. Right. And sometimes they come back and go, actually, I had a really good challenge. So we all need to be challenged because if you go around thinking you've got the best ideas, I'm sure some people out there, that's not the way I, th- I think the world works. I think, uh, you know, particularly if you're designing things for yeah, people, yeah. it's you've got to have some degree of consensus and some degree of, of just checking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you end up with uh, brands which really should never have been launched. Like, did nobody, when they were launching, v, VW this was, yeah. say that actually calling a car a Sharon is not the greatest idea. <laughs> so they're <laughs> fine in Germany. They launched the VW Sharon here. Somebody, why didn't somebody say... I don't think that's the best name for a car. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Love that.
0: Love that. Well, um, sorry, Sharon's around the <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I I
1: room. Really, this is something I'd be really interested to find out. I this question that. I've really want to ask it. If you, from a branding point of view, if you could work with any brand in the world, past and present, who would mm, be and
0: why. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, because um, my mind was blown when I got my first Apple. And, and re- I was really a very early adopter. You know, in my in my brand ad pitch, I say that I've got decades of experience, but I'm young of young at heart. I was a very early adopter of, of just thinking this is changing everything. Because I remember going out to stay with my brother in California, and my brother yeah. was a. A, a computer nerd he, yeah. he he was you know he thought apples were, were nothing because he loved doing programming and stuff you know I wasn't into programming I was into creativity no. but even his kids were designing Christmas cards on his computer you know and I went I've got a design team back in London working on major brands who haven't got a computer amongst them so when we got the first Apple so it, to, and, and seeing how Apple have evolved and grown as a brand and and johnny ive who was the product designer behind some of the great uh, apple innovations to have worked in apple during that time I, you know and particularly in that part of california yeah. so yeah but the pro- brand weirdly i'd love to work with i used to go past its office in hammersmith was island records oh, Really? you know because i'm a massive music collector and particularly big reggae fan yeah. and chris blackwell uh, who's jamaican uh formed island records and of course he launched the careers of bob marley and people but it wasn't just the music they were doing, and they had some great artists on their roster. Mm. But the album design stuff was was fantastic. I remember one of my favorite albums is is uh, Bob Marley's Catch a Fire, and it's a bit like Blue Monday's New Order by Blue Monday. It's got one of the most expensive covers. It looks like a Zippo lighter. So you open it up and you pull the record out, and I think they now you can't. They're, they're as rare as hen's teeth. Yeah. yeah. But I just thought. Somebody was smoking a large one to create that.
1: Yeah, yeah. just great.
0: Yeah. So I think the culture and you know both the music they were presenting and the design work
1: they were doing it was it was great. Yeah, it's, it's incredible, isn't it? Apple and it, it's just it, I, and it, I guess it's partly you know we both members of Soho House. I, yeah. I, I think part of the membership you have to have a Mac is that white right? like, yeah. <laughs> to get past the door. Yeah, <laughs> everywhere anyway, you look at, but it's so strange, isn't it? that we're, Something so iconic, like, yeah. like what they created. Well,
0: I, I think what, what's brilliant is, is going back to and Steve Jobs is a bit of a hit. And the great thing about Apple is it's such a great story. And you know, people go, "Where does the name Apple come from?" And he was obsessed by uh, uh, Isaac Newton. Hmm. And of course, the, the story Apple falling on Isaac yeah, Newton yeah. invents gravity. It's where the Apple name comes from. The very first logo for Apple was terrible. It was a picture of Isaac Newton sitting under a tree. It's so bad. Uh, if, you, uh, yeah. if I show you, you'll laugh. Yeah. Uh, but also the other thing that uh, Isaac Newton was a pioneer in was uh, also uh, color theory mm. about uh, managing to understand how light worked through prisms. He was a, a leading physicist. So the combination of, of color and gravity and light, he was a seriously. He was a genius, a technical genius. And that was, that was, if you like, that was Steve Jobs' hero which is why one of the failed products that Apple launched was called the Newton. And, and one of the logos uh, in Apple's growth was a, a sort of multicolored rainbow based on the colors of the prism. Mm. Um, but where Apple started the ethos of saying, we're gonna make a com- com- computer that is about what people do with it. It's not about the machine inside the computer. You know, Bill Gates can tell you all about the, the RAM and the megahertz and all mm. stuff I'm not interested in how to program it. I'm not interested. But if I can create beautiful pictures or beautiful music. So that whole thing about think different was, yeah. about, was actually jumping into the, what the consumer wants, not talking about the machine. And for somebody who wasn't interested in programming computers, it was like, this is for me. Yeah. It's not me someone he knows who I am.
1: You know, I think a lot of people, a lot of creative people around the world thought that and still think it. And I think that, and like I guess, bringing it back and alluding to what we're talking about, that is the that is the key to a, a, a brilliant brand, isn't it? That yeah. you actually, yeah. Ha- how does that make it, that made you feel like I'm part of this? that yeah. they're speaking to me, yeah. and that.
0: And, and then there are other, I, other examples. I mean, you know, um, uh, Studio Blub did a lot of work on Nike, and Nike's a great brand because again, they had this thing where they went, um, you know, it's not about you don't have to have to be a professional runner. You know yeah. it's not just about our shoes it's it's we believe there's the inner athlete in everyone yeah. you, you see some people even sports direct, you'd question it, but anyway <laughs> um, the whole thing about just do it is about just be yourself, Self, yeah, yeah. so the best brands jump make the jump into what motivates the consumer. It's not about the physical parts of it Of course, everyone you know you know that's why b m w it's the ultimate driving machine. You don't have to know how to fix a car, you know yeah. it's the experience, and there's so many brands who've who've made that leap into going. Motivate consumers, and uh, you know, I still think it's true now. Yeah. Think about what the person Jeff Bezos, what the person you're selling to is saying about you yeah. because they are your best best disciples. you know if you piss them off, excuse my French, but if you anger them and they realize that you're hollow or shallow yeah. or shoddy, they then in the same way you can grow a reputation, you can kill a reputation, yeah. of course social media then will bombard you. Amazing.
1: Yeah, oh, mate, fascinating. Now, look, uh, tell me, what does what, what the future hold for Branddad? Uh,
0: unfortunately, not too many more years. But <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with that. Now, the thing is, I, I, I came here to sort of semi retire, done bits and pieces of consultancy, bits and pieces of lecturing, loving running brand workshops. Love the fact I've been rebranded. Uh, I, don't, uh, I don't use Brandad everywhere. I'm Bill Walsgrove when it's, uh, for more professional. Uh, uh, <laughs> but Brandad seems to, I uh, love the fact that people go, oh, you're like an experienced bloke or an older bloke who's worked on brands. That's me. Yeah. Um, so in the future, I just want to carry on. I don't think I'm, you know, I just, I don't like golf. So I don't think I know how to retire. Yeah. I don't like the clothes, the check trousers or anything. So I'm always going to do a bit of lecturing or a bit of consultancy or a bit of advice whilst I'm fit and able to. So and, you know, I love Brighton. You know, it's kind of um, everything about it. You know, yeah. I, I love walking by the sea. I love walking on the downs. There's something about it back to I hate to say it, I went back to London mm-hmm. the weekend, had a great time back in my old stamp- stomping ground in Camden. But there's something about the sea and the air. And I don't know. Yeah, as, along with the people. It's just, you know, it's a magical it, place. It, yeah. And I love, you know, love my time in London. It wasn't where I grew up, but I love my time there. Um, and, you know. So I, I think, you know, the zeitgeist for me or the timing for me or my ikigai guy is, is what I do and the way I work seems to s- suit Brighton businesses. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm sometimes, I say to them sometimes I'm the board you can't afford. You only mm. need me for one day. Yeah. You know, you don't need to employ me. for If you want a serious objective analysis of yeah. what's good and wrong about your brand, I will give you the honest opinion. If you don't agree with me fine i'm not going to i'm not going to make it up for you because yeah, yeah, yeah. i haven't got an, ad, an agenda to sell the services like i used to do yeah. not saying i used to lie but when you're trying to sell the services of quite a, a big agency you don't try and piss the client off by telling them something they don't want to hear yeah, 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 whereas should, an independent you can be a bit more honest and say i don't think this is working
1: yeah.
0: and the lovely thing about ai i've been using this recently i had a client recently and they wanted to do this brand name i said well that brand sums up these images to me. I don't think it's right, and she went really. I said, "Yeah, I just I don't think it's right." So I programmed the words into uh, mid-journey my image generator, mm. and all the images I was talking about came up. And she went, "Okay." I said, "That's not just me talking. Mm. You've just scraped a hundred million images off the internet, which have just agreed with me." You know, I said, <laughs> AI, <laughs> "AI research one." Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And it, thing I'd, I'd be just interested to just touch on there like where you are right now mm-hmm. like we said about a few you, you can tell how passionate you are about yeah. it. every time I meet you you've got enthusiasm yeah. and you, you love talking about branding yeah. and it's been a fascinating conversation listening mm-hmm. to you and stuff like that but where, where you are right now go back to when you was running the company with many staff and stuff like that what, how, how do they compare both I'm sure both great if, experiences yeah. but would, would you be what, if I had to say give me a definitive answer right now yeah. would you say your ikigai is more where you are right now or yeah my
0: ikigai has, has always been leading here mm. uh, certainly when you're trying to run a company as it grows you're obviously aware of your own brand so mm. you know a lot of my learning about how brands should communicate was built building. but yeah. also a lot of financial responsibility and a lot of personal responsibility mm. in a way which I'm not you know I'm not encumbered by that anymore so I've got the freedom of actually being, you know, quite literally, uh, I can still talk about brands in the same way I have been passionately, but, but I'm I'm not fettered, I'm not chained. I, I can just say, I you know, mate, you've got a good brand, I get it, or mate, in your workshop, your five colleagues have all said something completely different. I don't yeah. think you've got a brand, but we can build it together, but you, you've got to get some sort of consensus. So the combination of... of the experience of having gone through, you know, growing commercial companies and then being a kind of independent, yeah. uh, uh, has allowed me to use that all that experience objectively. Yeah, love that. So yeah, probably it's a good question. Yeah, it's it's I've, I've found a, a funny old route to make a guy. Yeah, yeah. But but I think if you plan for it, I mean that's the you know I say to people, well, it, you know sometimes you can't take the first thing you want to do mm. you you get there through different and i know knowing your journey yeah. you you find your way and it's kind of i think water finds its course yeah. you know and i say to the students you know when there's a kind of group of 30 design students i say whatever you think you're going to do now you won't be doing in 30 years time because yeah. the world would have changed and sometimes you'll get lucky and sometimes you'll meet the right person yeah. and sometimes you won't it's you know it's it's you know, it's, but you've just got to, the things you've got to do to be a successful design student is to uh, keep your natural curiosity, your natural passion mm-hmm. for creativity. Always ask the question why or the question why not, and then think about how can I do something better. So it's, and I kind of go, because, you know, I didn't know, I've got designers I've worked with, some who are now work, running mobile phone game companies, mm-hmm. some who are doing uh, titles for the BBC. We all did the same course, yeah. but we all went off in different directions. And you know, much as I love what he's doing with TV graphics, and much as I love what he's doing with mobile games, brands is really—if I'm—I'm quite quite passionate about actually. When you see a company do well, and when you see them refresh what they're doing through yeah. do their branding and, and make people reappraise them, there's something about that. Uh, it, it's not the most important thing in the world. I'm not a doctor, yeah. I'm not a brain surgeon. But I do think I help businesses. If I can help businesses be more successful at what they're trying to do, that, that has some sort of uh, feedback to me.
1: Amazing. Amazing. Mate, what, what a fascinating conversation. It's been brilliant. And so many takeaways. And I guess the listeners from a brand point of view there'd be so much that they can and and, and encourage people to obviously reach out to you mate but uh, as always we're going to finish off with our quick fire questions if I can you can do whatever you want I'll chuck these at you so one piece of advice do you give to your 18 year old self start a business earlier network
0: more go out to meetings and stuff get a dog earlier be a bit wiser on who you marry (laughs) uh and buy more lottery tickets. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, it's definitely I would have
1: started, should have started a business earlier. I'm I'm, I'm intrigued because I, I I often think I think and I I say to people about we were entrepreneurship wasn't encouraged necessarily when I no, was at school. No. So coming out of that, I think would I have. If it had have been like it is now, mm-hmm. a little bit more, and it is a bit more of a buzzword or whatever, would I have gone? This is actually who I am. I would yeah. have found that earlier, yeah. and I would have started a business at sixteen. But would I, and, and would that have been the right thing to do? Because do you think potentially the right time was through the experiences and stuff you had got you to that place where you started? A
0: well, business? It's, it is a good question because I've got several friends whose kids have started businesses. A lot of them forced to because of lo- lockdown. Mm-hmm. And part of me has gone. I think, and they've had some success and some failure. And I say, I think if they'd have gone to work for a bigger company and learnt a bit more about the industry, mm-hmm. they wouldn't have gone down that route because it's very easy now to think, oh, I can just I can create my own website in Wix. Mm-hmm. I can sell it all on TikTok, and of course lots of kids do, did that during lockdown fine suddenly when the shops are open they wonder where their businesses have gone so mm. you know it, it was about timing But so I do think there is some that if I'm you know I'm a bit old school I definitely feel that two of the businesses I worked in taught me a lot they were my kind of university of life yeah, and they yeah. taught me about client relationships uh, made me learn, learn a lot more about marketing and marketing mm-hmm. strategy because a lot of people I work with were natural marketeers. Mm-hmm. They'd come from the marketing side of business, whereas I'd come from the creative side. And I do think that great branding is, is, is the combination of two skills. It's left and right brain. It's yeah. the, the creative and the analysis. It's the, it's the market and the left-field thinking. It's, mm-hmm. it's, the two, it's a marriage of those two things. Yeah. So I think that having watched that and, and sort of learned that by, by, through my colleagues, I definitely made me probably more focused. It's made yeah. me better. And I can, you know, you can always see it when you're kind of working for a client, you go, oh, uh And you kind of sometimes have to sort of, particularly your lead client, if you're being employed by the owner, you have to say, I don't think your person there gets it or, you know, yeah. they need some retraining or something because they're, they're banging the wrong drum. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they go, like well, I said, I know because I've managed people, you yeah, know. So okay. I'm not just giving them advice about the brand and business but sometimes about the way in which their business is being done. Yeah. And, again, I can say it honestly because it's I'm not
1: a stakeholder. Anyway, yeah, yeah really sure. You know. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Okay. Um, who's been the biggest inspiration throughout your life and why? Uh... Yeah. Well, I was so
0: lucky to have so many good um, art tutors at college. Um, because uh, I, I tell you, I think probably the thing that really got me connected into, yeah, probably motivated me to go to art school. So right at the start is not only did I love comics. But some of the artists that I really loved were using comics in their art. So Andy Warhol mm. and Peter Blake, particularly the English pop artist who did the Sgt Pepper's cover. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so the fact that they were combining creative art, in other words, the 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 creativity they were doing for their own self, their own self brief, they weren't oh, yeah. doing it for commercial reasons. But it was using kind of things like Campbell's soup cans, or in mm. Peter Blake's, so I'm using you know the roundel from the RAF or they were taking things from common cul- popular culture yeah. and creating them as to art and I just I found that really motivating I think a whole generation of designers I grew up with um found that and I was really lucky um and this is you know I love this because I was uh, living in Chiswick at the time and uh, uh, my son was on a roundabout in a park and there was this older bloke with a beard mm. and with a, a young girl on the roundabout and you know it was a sunny day and it was, you know, how long are they going to be on the roundabout for? Yeah, when, yeah. When's the pub open? All that kind of stuff. And uh, I went, and, and this long white beard realized it was Peter Blake, wow, the artist. And uh, I went, uh, excuse me, Peter, you know, well done, mate. She's quite young. He said, it's my granddaughter. It's my granddaughter. You know, <laughs> don't don't go. And so my son, his granddaughter were playing. And uh, I said, Peter, can I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a massive fan. You know, I'd love to come and talk to you about your life and come see your studio. He said, yeah gave me his phone number oh. went round he showed me a studio lovely big house in Chiswick um, lovely man he talked about his love of pop culture and pop art and had all these wonderful things in his studio and then I was working six months later for the Save the Children Fund it's probably one of my favourite projects actually yeah. uh, amongst many but uh, and, I, and we came up with this idea of um, getting 12 artists to do 12 pieces of work mm. each which would be for a month for a calendar because we'd sell the calendar for Save the Children and auction the art pieces. So this was before the internet, of course. And um, I said, well, I know Peter Blake. I'll ask him if he'll do the front cover. And people in the studio, went, he's going to ask Peter Blake. It's never going to happen. Brought Peter Blake in a week later, and he designed, <laughs> designed the front cover. We won an award for it as well. Wow. And so to some of your heroes, to be, you know, yeah. it was you know quite something. I've, had, I've got music heroes as well yeah. who, who I've met but great man so very inspirational and also you know still working to this day yeah, um, yeah pop art and, 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 and much as I you know I think a lot of strange sides to Andy Warhol the fact that you know his whole factory and you know the Velvet Underground and the culture not just around the art but around music and fashion mm. and of course you know the factory then influenced obviously Manchester and New Order and Joy Division and all that kind of stuff yeah. so that whole that whole link between Pop art and pop culture and all of my favorite musicians weirdly enough went to art school David Bowie, Brian Ferry from Rockstar Music, Eno, you know there's, there's something about art and music which has definitely been influenced me, pop yeah. culture.
1: Awesome, love that story. Peter Blake. Peter Blake. Boy, was, right? It was just, <laughs> it was like, you
0: know, it's kind of, yeah, you might hear it, oh, I've got to tell you the other one right? yeah. from music one, so I was once on this plane flying from Atlanta to New York and uh, I got upgraded to first class, pretty good. On the champagne, this really big lady with big sunglasses came in, and all the air said, "Oh, great to see you, back, ma'am. Great." She sat down next to me, and I kind of went, "Are you Gladys night And she went, "I sure am, honey."
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and I went, "I didn't know what to do." I went, "Because I'm a massive Motown fan." Yeah. So I went, "Can I talk to you for the flight?" She said, "Yeah, let's get the drinks in." I and she that. and she was just great company. But I had another mate of mine who was at the back of the plane on, and hadn't been upgraded. And when we met by the carousel, he said, uh, how was your flight? I said, I sat next to Gladys Knight. She was great. He said, you just make it up. And Gladys Knight was with her entourage and said, see you, Bill. Have a good time. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> mate, I love that. Love so, it. you know, a bit of hero worship. Wait, Awesome. love a story. I love a story. <laughs> well, um. Could you recommend a book or a podcast to our listeners that has had an impact on you? Unfortunately, James beat me to it because
0: Sapiens, the book he was talking about when you did interview, is such a great book about humankind. But I've kind of, I used to love reading crime fiction, all that kind of stuff. But the books I tend to read now are much more about people and humanity and history. Mm. Uh, And the book, in fact, I'm going to get you to read it, is uh, How to Be Animal which is by a great writer called Melanie Challenger. And I've recommended this to several people. And it's a great... You have to read the book because when you... She just says this thing, which is amazing. She says, you know, you open the book and she says that the most successful creature on the planet, the most successful animal on the planet is a human, and they deny being an animal. They deny all the sensibilities and psychology and the the physical aspects of being an animal, about fears. And so she's talking about, you know how to be animal how to learn actually a lot of our instincts so you're going to read that and I hope you like it
1: thank you very much
0: I love it thank you it's a nice the lovely thing about that it's a bit like you know, Sapiens is all about humankind and this is about a different aspect of humankind and there are several other books I'm reading now which aren't so much psychology they're much more about sociology and about how people link with your your interests as well how people connect to each other what motivates us what drives us what what, what in the way we in nature and nurture made us be the way we are love
1: it Mate, I'm on that. Thank you. Final one to wrap up. Oh, God. One rule for living a fulfilled life. Uh, One rule. Don't worry, be
0: happy. Just be yourself. Mm -hmm. Just be yourself. You know, just live your ikigai, you know. Mm -hmm. Because I I think all of us have to recognise we are Marmite. You're not going to please everyone all the time. Some people like you, some people don't. Don't get hung up about it. So I'd say just be yourself. Be true to yourself. As long as you're not obnoxious or rude or dangerous, you know, just if you
1: think that's important and it doesn't hurt anyone else, just be yourself. Brilliant. Mate, what a great way to finish. It's been a fascinating conversation. I I loved having you on, so thank you so much.
0: It's always such fun. I mean, the thing is, we could talk for ages. This is just Chapter 1. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs)
1: come back for Chapter (laughs) 2. We're in, we're in. Mate, that was great. That, as I say, sir, is a wrap. Thank you. This is the County Business Talks podcast, produced by H Two Productions.